Good afternoon and welcome, welcome, welcome to chapter three of Five Go Off to Camp. Oh, well, let's see what happens in chapter three when they all awake in the morning um <clears throat> oh excuse me so chapter three is called Anne's volcano so here goes julian awoke first in the morning he heard a strange and lonely sound floating overhead coolly coolly he sat up and wondered where he was and who was calling. Oh, of course, he was in his tent with Dick. They were camping on the moors, and that wild cry overhead came from a curlew, the bird of the moorlands. He yawned and lay down again. It was early in the morning. The sun put its warm fingers in at his tent opening, and he felt the warmth on his sleeping bag. He felt lazy and snug and contented. However, he also felt hungry, which was a nuisance. He glanced at his watch. Half past six. He really was too warm and comfortable to get up yet. He put out his hand to see if there was any chocolate left from the night before and found a little piece. He put it into his mouth and lay there contentedly, listening to more curlews and watching the sun climb a little higher. He fell asleep again and was awakened by Timmy busily licking his face. He sat up with a start. The girls were peering in at his tent, grinning. They were fully dressed already. Wake up, lazy, said Anne. We sent Timmy in to get you up. It's half past seven. We've been up for ages. It's a simply heavenly morning, said George. Going to be a frightfully hot day. Do get up. We're going to go and find the stream and wash in it. It seems silly to lug heavy buckets of water to and fro for washing if the stream's nearby. Dick awoke too. He and Julian decided to go and take a bathe in the stream. They wandered out into the sunny morning, feeling very happy and very hungry. The girls were just coming back from the stream. It's over there, said Anne, pointing. Timmy, go with them and show them. It's a lovely little brown stream, awfully cold, and it's got ferns along its banks. We've left the bucket there. Bring it back full, will you? Well, what do you want us to do that for if you've already washed? asked Dick. We want water for washing up the dishes, said Anne. I suddenly remembered we'd need water for that. I say, do you think we ought to wake Mr Luffy? There's no sign of him yet. No, let him sleep, said Julian. He's probably tired out with driving the car so slowly. We can easily save him some breakfast. What are we going to have? We've unpacked some bacon rashers and tomatoes, said Anne, who loved cooking. How do you like the stove, Julian? Oh, George knows, said Julian. Hey, did we pack a frying pan? 
Yes, I packed it myself, said Anne. Oh, do go and bathe if you're going to. Breakfast will be ready before you are. Timmy gravely trotted off with the boys and showed them the stream. Julian and Dick at once lay down in the clear brown bed and kicked wildly. Timmy leapt in too and there were yells and shrieks. Well, I should think we've woken up old Luffy now, said Dick, rubbing himself down with a rough towel. How lovely and cold that was. The trouble is, it's made me feel twice as hungry. Oh, doesn't that frying bacon smell good, said Julian, sniffing the air. They walked back to the girls. There was still no sign of Mr Luffy. He must indeed sleep very soundly. They sat down in the heather and began their breakfast. Anne had fried big rounds of bread in the fat and the boys told her she was the best cook in the world. She was very pleased. I shall look after the food side for you, she said, but George must help with the preparing of the meals and washing up. See, George? George didn't see. She hated doing all the things that Anne loved to do, such as making beds and washing up. She looked sulky. Oh, look at old George. Why bother about the washing up when there's Timmy only too pleased to use his tongue to wash every plate, said Dick. Everyone laughed, even George. All right, she said. I'll help, of course. Only let's use as few plates as possible and then there won't be much washing up. Is there any more fried bread, Anne? No, but there are some biscuits in that tin, said Anne. I say, boys, who's going to go to the farm each day for milk and things? I expect they can let us have bread too, and fruit. Oh, one or other of us will go, said Dick. Anne, hadn't you better fry something for old Luffy now? I'll go and wake him. Half the day will be gone if he doesn't get up now. Oh, I'll go and make a noise like an earwig outside his tent, said Julian, getting up. He might not wake with all our yells and shouts, but he'd certainly wake at the call of an friendly earwig. He went down to the tent. <coughs> he cleared his throat and called politely. Are you awake, sir? There was no answer. Julian called again. Then, puzzled, he went to the tent opening. The flap was closed. He pulled it aside and looked in. The tent was empty. There was nobody here at all. What's up, Joe? called Dick. But he's not here, said Julian. Where can he be? There was silence. For a panic-stricken moment, Anne thought of their strange adventures and thought one was beginning. Then Dick called out again. Is his bug tin gone? You know, the tin box with straps that he takes when he, with him when he goes insect hunting. And what about his clothes? Julian inspected the inside of the tent again. OK, called much to everyone's relief. His clothes are gone and so is his bug tin. He must have slipped out early before we were awake. I bet he's forgotten all about us and breakfast and everything. Oh, that would be just like him, said Dick. Well, we're not his keepers. He can do as he likes. If he doesn't want breakfast, he needn't have any. He'll come back when he's finished his hunting, I suppose.
Anne, can you get on with the doings if Dick and I go to the farmhouse and see what food they've got, asked Julian. The time's getting on and if we're going for a walk or anything today, we don't want to start too late. Right, said Anne, you go too, George. I can manage everything nicely now that the boys have brought me a bucket full of water. Take Timmy, he wants a walk. George was only too pleased to get out of the washing up. She and the boys, with Timmy trotting in front, set off to the farmhouse. Anne got on with her jobs, humming softly to herself in the sunshine. She soon finished them and then looked to see if the others were coming back. There was no sign of them or of Mr Luffy either. Oh, I'll go for a walk on my own, thought Anne. I'll follow that little stream uphill and see where it begins. That would be fun. I can't possibly lose my way if I keep by the water. She set off in the sunshine and came to the little brown stream that gurgled down the hill. She scrambled through the heather beside it, following its course uphill. She liked all the little green ferns and the cushions of velvety moss that edged it. She tasted the water. It was cold and sweet and clean. Feeling very happy all by herself, Anne walked on and on. She came at last to a big mound of a hilltop. The little stream began there, halfway up the mound. It came gurgling out of the heathery hillside, edged with moss, made its chattering way far down the hill. Oh, so that's where you begin, is it? said Anne. She flung herself down on the heather, hot with her climb. Oh, it was nice there, with the sun on her face and the sound of the trickling water nearby. She lay, listening to the humming bees and the water. And then she heard another sound. She took no notice of it at all at first. But then she sat up, frightened. The noise is underground. Deep, deep underground. It rumbles and roars. Oh, what's going to happen? Is there going to be an earthquake? The rumbling seemed to come nearer and nearer. Anne didn't even dare to get up and run. She sat there and trembled. Then there came an unearthly shriek. And not far off, a most astonishing thing happened. A great cloud of white smoke came right out of the ground. Anne was simply horrified. It was so sudden, so very unexpected on this quiet hillside. The rumbling noise went on for a while and then gradually faded away. Anne leapt to her feet in a panic. She fled down the hill, screaming loudly. It's a volcano! Help, help! I've been sitting on a volcano! It's going to burst! It's sending out smoke! Help, help! It's a volcano! She tore down the hillside, caught her foot on a tuft of heather and went rolling over and over, sobbing. She came to rest at last and then heard an anxious voice calling. Who's that? What's the matter? It was Mr Luffy's voice, 
and screamed to him in relief. Mr. Luffy, come and save me. There's a volcano here. There was such terror in her voice that Mr. Luffy came racing to her at once. He sat down beside the trembling girl and put his arm around her. Whatever's the matter, he said. What's frightened you? Anne told him again. Up there, do you see? That's a volcano, Mr. Luffy. It, it trembled and it, it, it rumbled and then it shot up clouds of smoke. Oh, quick, before it sends out red-hot cinders. <laughs> now, now, said Mr. Luffy, and to Anne's surprise and relief, he actually laughed. Do you know, mean to tell me you don't know what that was? No, I don't, said Anne. <laughs> well, said Mr. Luffy, under this big moor run two or three long tunnels to take trains from one valley to another. Didn't you know? They make the rumbling noise you heard and the sudden smoke you saw was the smoke sent up by a train below. There are big vent holes here and there in the moor for the smoke to escape from. Oh, good gracious me, said Anne, going rather red. I didn't even know there were trains under here. What an extraordinary thing. I really did think I was sitting on a volcano, Mr Luffy. Oh, you won't tell the others, will you? They would laugh at me dreadfully. I won't say a word, said Mr Luffy. And now I think we'll go back. Have you had breakfast? I'm terribly hungry. I went out early after a rather rare butterfly I saw flying by my tent. We've had breakfast ages ago, said Anne, but if you'd like to come back with me now, I'll cook you some bacon, Mr Luffy, and some tomatoes and fried bread. Ha ha, that sounds good, said Mr Luffy. Now, not a word about volcanoes. That's our secret. And off they went to the tents where the others were, wondering what in the world had become of Anne. Little did they know she had been sitting on a volcano. <laughs> oh my goodness, sitting on a volcano. Can you imagine though if you didn't know that there were trains running underneath there and that happened, you would think it was a volcano or something of that kind, wouldn't you? You'd think there was an earthquake happening. Um, so she's not really so silly. <laughs> Because I don't think I'd like it if I didn't know that there were trains running under there. And uh, that happened to me. I think I would think exactly the same as Anne. So, uh, what about you? Would you think that? <laughs> anyway, um, we will read chapter four tomorrow. And see... Well... Let's see whether any of the others know about the trains. Maybe they'll get frightened and Anne will be able to just sit there and say, ha, 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 I'm not frightened. <laughs> anyway, um, I will see you all again tomorrow 
when we will read the next instalment of Five Go Off to Camp. So until then, make sure you take care and stay safe and I will see you all again tomorrow. Uh, bye for now.